Well, there is joy in the house of the Lord. That's what we're singing about. It's a great reality. But there's another reality, and that is that we don't always experience joy. That isn't always our lived experience. We don't always feel it. But I hope, it's, it's my deep hope, that as we move through this morning, that if you haven't already, you'll at least get a sliver of that joy. You'll at least taste a little bit of that joy here this morning, be able to take that with you into the week. Well, the year was 2001. I was studying in Rome through my college, and uh, it was through the art, architecture, and planning program that they made available to anybody in that college. And I was in the final weeks of the fall semester, and I was getting ready to do my final presentation of my artworks. And my time in Rome had been full of cross-cultural experience and immersion into this ancient world of art and architecture. It was phenomenal, spectacular, uh, breathtaking at times to be in the space live in those places right in front of those pieces of artwork or those sculptures that I'd only seen in slides, that I'd only heard about in lectures. It was incredible. I remember visiting one specific place. This is called the Lateran, and it's a massive, massive structure, a huge sanctuary. And on the flanks of this sanctuary, you can kind of see in this image, there are huge marble statues carved right out of the stone. And they stand on pedestals that are already way off the ground. They themselves are 15 feet in height, and it looks like they could literally come to life, jump off of those pedestals, and uh, just be walking right side by side with you as giants in that space. It was incredible to actually stand there gazing up like you actually have to lean back in order to see all the way to the top of these things. Um, it was amazing, and it kind of is almost dizzying being in that space, looking at those, those pieces. And here I was, a junior in college, getting ready to display my original works of art. I had five paintings, uh, five pieces that I'd worked on the entire semester, and had encouragement from my classmates and the professor who was in residence there that semester. So I was pretty pumped. I was amped. I was ready to go. I was kind of anticipating um, some praise for my uh, amazing pieces of artwork. But sadly, that moment never came. The Dean of Art, Architecture, and Planning, who had flown in earlier that morning from New York, arrived, and uh, I was just looking forward to hearing his opinions and maybe learning and growing in the process and, you know, just hearing his glowing review of my, my works. Uh, but instead, he zeroed in on the titles that I had chosen for my works. He took one look at the titles, then looked at me, and just started negatively speaking about how the titles I had chosen didn't make sense with the pieces of artwork that I had made. 
I started to feel dizzy. I started to feel kind of nauseous, but not like the inspired dizziness and nausea of being overwhelmed and kind of in the space of greatness, but that feeling in the pit of your stomach of incredible disappointment. And for me, man, art was my identity at that point. That was a couple decades ago, and that was how I defined life. And if art didn't go well, I didn't know where, where to find my bearings. I didn't know which way was up. And it felt like my world was literally crashing down in that moment. That critique ended, and I just walked home feeling very, very alone. Some of my classmates had tried to console me, but there was no, there's no, there was no cheering me up. But you know, that wasn't the only thing that happened in the fall of 2001. If you're paying attention, you know that this happened. The attacks on the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers, literally came crashing down. Worlds came crashing down. People lost their lives. Rescue workers lost their lives in an attempt to save whoever they could. Families and loved ones, worlds came crashing down. And that was just weeks before that train wreck of an art critique that I had. But this was real catastrophe. Worlds fell apart that day. So what do you do when your world comes crashing down? What do you do when you're faced with those moments? When the rug you're standing on gets pulled out from under you, when the thing you're depending on crumbles to the ground. And believe it or not, this is actually a message about joy. <laughs> but I think the reality is we can't really address joy without recognizing the reality of, of our lived experience, that we do face challenges, that we do face trials, that we do face pain and suffering and disappointment. And sometimes we feel the perceived absence of joy altogether, and that's part of our experience. Even though we're built for joy, we don't always experience it. And I think that's why it feels so wrong when we don't. Because we know that we're built for joy. When the circumstances are anything but joyful, we know that something's wrong. Something is off. Something isn't as it's supposed to be. Now, sometimes we don't find joy because we don't look for it and notice it around us. We don't connect with it. Sometimes we don't experience joy because we're looking in the wrong places. Uh, we don't reflect on it, and we don't reflect on what it's ultimately pointing to. And sometimes we don't experience joy because we're actually afraid to. We're worried that, man, if we really embrace joy to that level, we might look a little childish. We might look a little bit foolish. Maybe people won't take us seriously However, sometimes we don't experience joy 
because of things that are completely outside of our control. Now, at one level, joy is a feeling. I have to admit, joy is a feeling. It is an emotion. It's a jump up and down response to something that we are experiencing. A lot of the times, it's something that we're experiencing in our tangible world. It's blossoming flowers, it's bubbles, it's polka dots, it's swimming pools, it's tree houses, it's hot air balloons, it's googly eyes, it's uh, ice cream cones with sprinkles. Don't forget the sprinkles. It's fireworks. It's colorful socks. That's a personal one for me. Um, It's rainbows that move across the sky with spectacular beauty. Now, there have been plenty of moments where my family, at the first boom of a firework, will run out the house, start looking up in the sky. Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? And we're instantly drawn into the celebration. We don't even know what the occasion is. And we are celebrating all of a sudden. That's what joy does. But on another level, joy has an intangible relational component to it. It's like when my five-year-old daughter bursts into the room, holds her arms out, and goes, pick up hug? Or when a spontaneous chase game just starts in our house, and we're doing laps, and it's just full of laughter and smiles and excitement. Or when somebody else smiles and you just can't help it, you reflect exactly the same thing that the person in front of you is doing. But at still a deeper level, and this is where we're going this morning, joy is not at all dependent on the environment or the circumstance. It's not dependent even on the tangible beauty and the Uh, awesomeness of the things that are around us. This is a joy of unsearchable depths. It goes beyond what we can see. And this morning, I want to invite you on a journey into those deeps through the truths that are found in the scripture that can help us navigate those times when we don't feel joy, when we're not feeling joy. The circumstances are full of joy. To see that the only way, the only way to joy that lasts is through abiding in the Holy Spirit first. That's what we've been talking about this whole series. What does it mean to abide in the Spirit? What does the person of the Holy Spirit do? And this morning, I want to turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 9. So you can find that on your phone. There's a Bible in the chair in front of you. Grab that and open up to John 15. And here, Jesus is sharing his last words with his disciples, most likely in the upper room. These are moments and phrases that will be etched into their brains in vivid detail. And they're words that precede unthinkable pain, suffering, and the darkness of death. And I think sometimes we assume that the key to joy is the elimination of sorrow and pain and struggle and hardship. But it's my hope that we'll see that lasting joy doesn't depend on circumstances, but on something way more certain. That joy can exist at the same time as great difficulty and even sorrow. 
And it's actually the strength, the strength that we need to get through those moments. So my hope is that Jesus' words found in John's gospel will help bring clarity to our understanding and experience of lasting joy. Because the only way to joy that lasts is through abiding in the Holy Spirit first. All right, let's start with verse 9. John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. This is a special kind of love. It's unique. It's infinite. And it's creative. It's unique. It's unlike any other. The Father's love is personal. It's others serving. It's unchanging and it's inexhaustible. This love between the father and son is infinite. It stretches forward and backwards. It's the love that has always been, that has always flowed between father, son, and Holy Spirit. This love between the father and son is creative, delighting and exalting in what's good and beautiful, the kind of love that actually sounds a lot like joy. Can you picture with me, just for a moment, the delight in God's eyes as he breathed creation into existence? Suddenly, colors and shapes, organic life just burst into being. I picture a jump up and down kind of exuberance in God as the things he's always had on his mind suddenly become reality, suddenly become real. Doesn't that sound kind of fun, wonderful, and awe-inspiring? I think of that creation moment as an incredible, incredible moment of delight for our Heavenly Father. This profoundly deep love that Jesus describes is the way that he loves us. But he also says remain. Uh, if we need, you know, if, if we need that reminder, if he needs to ask us to remain, then there must be opportunity to fall away, right? There must be an aspect of choice on our part. Our, our part. We can withhold, we can ignore, we can even grieve the Spirit. We can create distance or we can create space in our lives to abide with the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is the kind of love that dwells in us when we dwell in him. When we abide in him, when we remain in him, the Holy Spirit comes to us with a spirit of unique, infinite, creative, deep love. So that we can love the Father with the same love of the Son. So that we can love the Son with the very love of the Father. So that we have this strength of infinite love to face whatever comes our way so that we have the strength of infinite love to sacrificially serve our neighbor, so that we have the strength of infinite love to overcome the temporary disappointments and even the catastrophes of life. See, remaining in God's love is it's not a mystical experience. 
It's a simple obedience. And it's ongoing. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here we are, the hinge of the passage. The so that moment, the reason for all this love talk is so that the joy of the Father and the Son awakened in us through the Holy Spirit might move towards completion in and through us. So that we might know the fullness of joy dwelling in us. So yes, the joy of the Lord is here in this house, but it's in this house too. The joy of the Lord goes with us because the presence of the Spirit goes with us. And this is not self-serving joy. It doesn't just stop with us. Rather, it's a joy that creates and produces and protects for the sake of making the joy of the Lord known and felt by others. It has to flow through us. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love is what it all depends on. If you love with the kind of love of the Father and the Son that comes only through abiding in the Spirit, you can do what you will and know that you will be in his will. And you will have complete joy dwelling in you. This kind of infinite, inexhaustible joy is our strength to do what God asks us to do, to love unconditionally and sacrificially. It's for this joy that Jesus laid down his life and didn't abandon his mission. It is this joy that keeps us from growing weary, losing heart, and giving up. This joy is our hope and our strength. In Hebrews chapter 12, Verse 2, we read this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. In Luke chapter 22, we read the account of the night Jesus was betrayed. In the garden, sweat oozed from his pores like blood. He prayed for the cup to be taken away, asking for the mission to be accomplished by any other way. But the way to the throne, the joy set before him, was death on a cross. And so he walked right into the pain, walked right into the suffering, because his vision was clear. The joy set before him compelled him forward. He wasn't arrogant, he wasn't defeated, he was passionate. And it is for the joy set before us and dwelling in us that we persevere with the same sure and certain hope that one day God's joy will be complete and his justice and mercy will be realized. Now, some of you may know we just were on a mission trip to the DR on our recent trip to the Dominican Republic, we heard stories about the hardships many of the locals face there. Specifically, Haitians born in the Dominican Republic. 
See, they're not recognized by the government because of their Haitian descent. Even though they're born in the Dominican Republic, they can't get papers. They're not officially recognized as being affiliated with any nation. And because of that, there is fear and anxiety of daily, of deportation, their land being taken away, them personally being taken away. It was just shortly before our trip, the authorities raided the very village that we and our team stood in. Taking men from their homes in the middle of the night, and they began that process of deportation, which basically just meant moving from prison to prison, getting closer and closer to the border of Haiti every moment. Haiti, a land unfamiliar to these legally abducted men who know nothing of Haiti. Yet on the day that we've visited this small little village of Haitians, one man stood before us who had been abducted in the middle of the night just days ago, transported, starved over a couple days, and he greeted us with a warm smile. How could this be? How could he smile? How could he smile through this pain and injustice? How could he have a smile of genuine hope considering the circumstances? And here's the thing. When he smiled, it wasn't fake. <laughs> it was genuine. It was real joy. But don't be fooled. There's real suffering, real anxiety, and real fear that he was smiling through. And we met plenty of others who smiled as well in the same way. They smile because they have, not because they have rose-colored glasses on, not as a manifesting, wishful thinking, kind of make it, fake it till you make it mentality, but because they have placed their real hope in a real person, the person of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit because they've had to go deep in order just to survive in ways that we can hardly imagine. There are depths of their souls that they've connected with because what else are you going to do when you're being transported from prison to prison, starved over days? But to hope and depend on Jesus to get you through it. When the comforts and the conveniences are stripped away, what's left? What would be left for us in that situation? What would we find? Would we find that same kind of joy? Or would we discover that our hope wasn't in the person of the Holy Spirit, but in the tranquility and beauty of our superficial environment? I wonder. I believe the Dominicans smile because they know an abiding that is fully dependent. An abiding that has a joy set before them. 
a vision of the future where one day it won't be smiling through a bunch of pain and anxiety, but it will just be smiling, full and complete. It's a vision we find in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I can't wait for that day. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going back again and again to the Dominican Republic. That's what gets me through the toughest moments of life. We abide in the Son. The Father and Son abide in us. The Son's word abide in us. The Son's joy in the Father comes through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and we get invited into the joy of a mutually sacrificial, mutually delighting, mutually creative and expressive relationship of love and a joy that has always been at the very heart, the very core of reality. That was, is, and is to come. Hope in the glory of God's grace with childlike faith and steadfast obedience is the kind of deep joy that we don't always perceive or feel. It goes up and down, but it's always there. So when you're not experiencing joy, go back to the source. Go back to the origins. Go back to the beginning. Let the color and line and shape and texture and music and poetry of this world and of the psalms and the songs of worship point you to the origins, to the very beginning of this world the delight of our creator and the new heaven and the new earth to come in the future. Let the finite joys point us to the infinite joys found in the Holy Spirit because the only way to joy that lasts is through abiding in the Holy Spirit first. Going deeper into this kind of joy means connecting with, reflecting on, and extending the joy of the Holy Spirit. So start connecting, or keep connecting. Connect with the person of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit that he would open your eyes to more and more joy. Connect with the people and the community where love can be expressed and experienced as genuine and lasting joy. You see, the pursuit of happiness can be done alone. The pursuit of joy is done together. Start reflecting, start looking for joy moments all throughout your day, and don't dismiss them. Ponder them. Give thanks to Jesus for them. Consider this, take a joy pause in your day and just list three things that are good and beautiful in your environment. Try it. Try it this week. Pick a spot in your day where you're going to just pause and reflect 
on the joy sightings in your life. Maybe even let yourself smile a bit. Even if it makes you feel kind of childish. And what's wrong with childish anyway? It's more colorful. It's more fun. It's brighter. But don't let it stop there. Start extending and multiplying joy. Share those moments with others. Build those things with others. Advance the goodness of God and his kingdom as you worship and serve the king wholeheartedly. He's making all things new and inviting you personally. And us as the church, together, to be a part of it. And when the pain is too much, this is what we've got to hear this morning. Because this is going to be a reality even for mature Christians. When the pain is too much, wait. Just wait. Believe and trust and hope. Create space for the Holy Spirit. And he's going to fill it. But be prepared to wait. Now, something I didn't tell you at the beginning of this message was that along with that dumpster fire of an art critique and the chaos of the World Trade Center attacks that had us all asking the big questions of life, I found a sanctuary of solace. A sliver of joy in a place I didn't expect to find it. It was a little more subtle, like a whisper in the middle of a thunderstorm, but it was still significant. I still heard it. In Rome, over 4,000 miles from home, I found a church. Nothing crazy, nothing spectacular. I had to get myself there. I did use the public transportation and walk a little bit to get there, but God did the rest. He provided me with the point of connection and the place of reflection that my soul deeply needed. It was there in that church that I could connect with people from all over the world, bonded together by a joy only found in the truth of the gospel and only extended by the Spirit in us. This refuge gave me the time and the place to reflect on all the blessings of joy in my physical surroundings, to reflect on my relationships, and to be reminded of the ultimate joy in knowing that one day I'd be face to face with others who had struggled and suffered and smiled through the disappointment, pain, and tears because of the hope of eternal, ultimate, complete joy. Knowing one day I'd stand in front of them and smile without any of the tears, pain, anxiety, and fear. The joy that is our strength now, even in the pain, struggle, and death. This is the joy that lasts, that's discovered in community and experienced together.
It's a joy found when we pursue the person of the Holy Spirit first. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the chance to be here in the house of the Lord. But to also recognize that we are the house of the Lord. That you dwell in us. That you go with us wherever we go. That we can talk to you whenever we want. That we can cry with you whenever we want. We can celebrate with you whenever we want. Because you are dwelling in us and we abide in you. God, thank you for the joy that is already complete because of your complete work on the cross that we get invited into, that we get to participate in. God, I pray that you would let us not lose sight of that joy. Let us not lose touch with that joy. God, let our lives be an expression of that joy, even in the pain and the suffering and the struggle. God, move in us today. Let us leave here renewed, with a renewed hope, a renewed sense of that joy that lasts. That yes, might be sparked by something in our environment, but God, that it ultimately points to something well beyond our physical space, well beyond our circumstances and our situation. God, be with us, go with us. Let us know that you are with us as we go into this week. In Jesus' name.